Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Film Ruminations podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm here today to give you a little warmer roundup. We are in the middle of the uh, Warner's uh, 4 for 44 sale, so I figured this would be a pretty good time to give a little bit of an idea of what they've come out with lately. I have a two, uh, two here that I want to mention that I'm not going to go deep into at all, but it's just worth worth a mention here. The first one is a John Huston Reflections in a Golden Eye starring Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. It's really neat. It has two different versions on here. There's the standard edition, and then there is a gold hue version, which is what Houston um, uh, prefers. However, I did not care too much for the film itself. Next up, we have another movie that I didn't care for, but I think you might. It's uh, Rachel and the Stranger. This is the story about uh, William Holden, whose wife has passed away, uh, and Robert Mitchum, uh, he's a trapper and a hunter. So it stars uh, William Holden as a newly widower, and uh, Robert Mitchum as a trapper, and Loretta Young, who comes into the picture as sort of a love interest uh, for William Holden, uh, but then there's a love triangle situation. However, I turned this off pretty quick because it turns out William Holden's character was purchasing Loretta Young's indentured uh, servitude. The idea of uh, purchasing the contract and then marrying her was kind of off for me, so I just put that one back down. Uh, but those two did come out. There's also a few uh, recent releases that were, up. I mean, not really my, my cup of tea here. We have Cannery Row with Nick Nolte and Deborah Winger. Sunday in New York with uh, Cliff Robertson, Jane Fonda, and Rod Taylor. Action of the Tiger with Van Johnson and Martin Carroll. Uh, the Reluctant Debutante with Rex Harrison and Kay Kendall. And Sweet Bird of Youth. It's a Tennessee Williams play starring Paul Newman and Geraldine Page. Um, that, I think, would be, uh, of this little group, the one that I would recommend the highest. I would do, however, want to kind of go in a little bit deeper on five films here in one way or another really kind of interests me so off from the top i want to go into the film inside daisy clover Something about Daisy that got you. Daisy, on the other hand, was pretty hard to get, but you can't stop them from crying. They came offering Daisy whatever they had to offer fame, love, money, or sometimes just fun. Everything's for you, except the yellow roses. Who are they for? Your crazy mother. Shall we cut out? But this Daisy did the picking for herself. As a matter of fact, Daisy had picked herself a lover, uh, uh, a protector, and a friend at a time when most girls are still getting ready for the high school prom. 
incredible as it may seem, I'm going to make something out of you. What? Money. Now, look here. If you hurt her, you hurt her work, and I won't allow that. No, but that's no problem. No problem at all. I asked her to marry me this morning. Well, I can hardly stand the suspense. What did she say? Do you want to tell the man what she said? Yes. Yes! <laughs> Daisy had also picked her enemies, and that includes a large part of the respectable population. You Though they may surround her, or desert her, they cannot change her. She insists on being Daisy Clover, no matter what anybody says. <laughs> I agree. Join her in the greatest put-down on the whole payoff world since movies. You're gonna hear from me. 15-year-old gamine Daisy Clover sings from the silver screen to an adoring public, although in the 1930s star treatment can go all the way from being discovered to being discarded. Natalie Wood plays the title role with gusto in a blend of Hollywood stardust and melodrama from the producer-director team Alan Pecula and Robert Mulligan that had already sublimely showcased her in The Love of the Proper Stranger. Also uh, heard from our Woods co-stars Robert Redford as a vain movie star who weds Daisy and Ruth Corton, who is Daisy's mother both winning Golden Globes for the work here, and uh, Ruth Gordon was um, earned a Oscar nomination. This also comes with a classic cartoon. The Oh, it also has uh, Christopher Plummer. I'm not sure why he's not in the copy on the back. So, this movie is incredibly problematic. Natalie Wood, as it says on here, is a 15-year-old who gets discovered uh, by Christopher Plummer and is put into the Hollywood stage, uh, into the Hollywood machine. And at one point in time, she meets uh, Robert Redford. It's not uh, listed here on the copy. Actually is struggling to hide his homosexuality, and by doing so, he beds a minor. Although at the time, Natalie Wood was not. That's the biggest issue I have, is the minor part of it. Um, it's an interesting story. It's, I mean, it's sleazy um, just because of that. It was really great. You see Ruth Gordon, who you hopefully will remember from Harold and Maude, uh, plays a stellar role as uh, Wood's mother. Uh, aside from the sleazy part of it, uh, what kind of upset me, I guess, for lack of a better term, is the uh, poster for this does not really sell the movie very well, because what it looks like is a 
kind of a psychological drama instead of it is a musical about the meteoric rise of a young starlet and then the incredible fall uh, after she's used up by her pseudo lover Robert Redford and she kind of loses her loses her cool a little bit and it just it I'm sure it played fine in 1965 if you were watching this for the first time in 2020 it probably looks uh, quite a bit worse than I think it really is uh, interesting film if you like musicals if you like Natalie Wood she does a dynamite job it's it's a shame that she was not nominated for something uh, however she was not uh, don't go into this thinking it's a uh, just a little uh, drama here this is uh, a musical at heart with some drama thrown in so that is uh, inside Daisy Clover next up we have a film by director Ron Sheldon called Tin Cup Waggle it. From the creator of Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump. The club head was waggle the club. Uh-huh. Comes a story. Oh! That's a pretty girl, is such an ugly swing. About men and women and the games they play. Remember, this game's about trust, touch, and letting go. Hi, darling. Hi, honey. Oh, no, not, not him. You got it bad, huh? <laughs> Something about that chick. I uh, take it you're a feminist. No one's ever saddled me with that one. Well, you might try being saddled sometime. Smell of leather, sting of a whip. Yes! She must think I'm such a loser, lousy driving range pro. Local legend Roy Tincup McAvoy, <laughs> the best player to never hit the big time. It's an easy game, this golf. Wasn't going anywhere. Oh. It's gotta be the woman. I thought you said it was a virus. Well, a woman can have the same effect. But ever since Dr. Molly Griswold got inside his head... I think I'm in love with you. What? He's been changing his whole approach. From the moment I first saw you, I knew I was through with bar girls and strippers and motorcycle chicks and... Stunned, huh? Tell me you're not at least moderately attracted to me. You have moments, Roy. Yeah, well, you tell me which ones are my moments and I'll try and duplicate them. Just thinking about how to get in your heart. You're all nuts. Yeah. To the cop. To the cop. Man, An unreachable shot to the green. A hopeless romance. Driving range pro Roy McAvoy can't resist an impossible challenge. Each is what he calls a defining moment. You define it, or it defines you. With Lady Killer charm and a game that could make par with garden tools, Kevin Costner rejoins Bull Durham filmmaker Ron Shelton for another funny tale of the games people play. For Costner's Roy, golf is a head and heart game. On both counts, that is where shrink Molly Griswold, played by Renee Russo, comes in. She is big city, Roy is small time, and he believes the only grandest of gestures can lure her from her slick touring pro, played by Don Johnson, to earn her love. So Roy, with his dutiful caddy, Cheech Marin, set out to play the impossible win the U.S. Open. With laughs, 
a little clever battle of the sexes banter, and a handy way with a seven iron. Tin Cup winningly defines the moment and contemporary romantic comedy. This is pretty much a bare bones uh, disc here. It is a fun movie where there's some sexism at the very beginning, but it quickly gets turned away uh, when uh, Griswold, Dr. Griswold, because Molly is a psychologist, and she shows up for her lesson with her new golf pro, Roy McAvoy, and he just knows as Dr. Griswold, and Roy thinks that's a man, so she quickly gets in there to dis, uh, disable the whole sexism idea, but, you know, it plays out through, whole, through the whole thing. Uh, she does have more command over her presence than in uh, than women typically do in sports films and so that was kind of nice don johnson plays a terrific professional golfer he was uh the character don johnson's character and uh, kevin costner's characters were longtime friends and they they had known each other and uh, don johnson saw the downfall of costner's character to where he becomes just a golf pro in rural texas and it just so happens that um, Rene Russo is dating Don Johnson and Kevin Costner feels the need to win her from him. Um, it has some very funny moments. It has some played out moments, uh, but it is, I think, for an adult crowd, it, it's a pretty f decent uh, romantic comedy. There's better, obviously. Uh, there's plenty of worse so that's uh, Tin Cup uh, by Ron Shelton. And rounding out a little trilogy of iffy romance films is Romance on the High Sea. If you're seeking recreation and your mind needs a vacation, from the troubles of the day you want to flee. Oh, if the Arctic makes you shiver and you can't stand lake or river, pop the ship that's heading down to Racy Rio. Now here's a trip that's full of glamour to the land of toujours l'amour. Spiced with music in a catchy kind of key. So be glad you're in this joy and come join us on this voyage for your share of gay time. Romance in high sea. When you see a pretty woman, run, run, run. When you see a pretty woman, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. With you, it's you or no one for me. Uh, where did you get your training? In the Army. Intelligence G2. Well, how were you at your job? We won the war, didn't we? I have looked at women, and the few that look back, I, I married. That cured me of looking. There's something I've got to do. I can't help myself. Well, if you can't help yourself, you can't help yourself. <laughs> i got to send a cable, Graham. Darling, it's me, Michael. Who are you, and what do you want? Oh, I... Wasn't there a woman in this bed five minutes ago? I'm no blabbermouth. My goodness, it's getting so that a man isn't safe around here in carnival time.
Bon Voyage. Georgia Garrett's singing career may not be going anywhere, but she is. She is on a cruise, sailing under the name Mrs. Elvira Kent, while the real Elvira secretly stays home to spy on her presumptively philandering husband. Meanwhile, the husband hires a spy to snoop on his supposedly voyaging wife. Doris Days makes her maiden film voyage, debuting as Georgia, a colorful bauble afloat on a romantic seas. The studio surrounds the sunny overnight screen sensation with top talent. Uh, Michael Curtis directs, the Epstein brothers provide the script, Busby Berkeley guides the musical numbers, Jewel Stein and Sammy Cohn create the tunes, and co-stars include Oscar Levant and Jack Carson. It's magic day sings, yes it is. This also includes a vintage musical short, Let's Sing a Song from the Movies, and a classic cartoon. Literally the only thing that would possibly make this into the uh, trilogy is that uh, Janice Page hires essentially Doris Day to go onto this cruise under her name so that she could spy on her husband while her husband is sending somebody on the cruise as well to spy on his wife because nobody trusts anybody. And the private eye that is hired to go on the voyage to spy on the wife uh, actually ends up falling in love with the wife, in this case, Doris Day, not the wife. So it's it's a little weird in that sense. However, it is an absolute joyful delight. This um, is a movie that I, I hope that I return to um, at some point in time. It's just charming to, to no end. Doris Day is always a welcome addition to the screen at any point in time. Um, so that is uh, Romance on the High Seas. I would absolutely put this into your 4 for 44 uh, cart. Now, let's uh, get off of that, uh, the whole romantic idea, and move on to some suspense. This is The Mystery of the Wax Museum. <laughs> Almost as beautiful as the original. Someday I hope to have you restore Marie Antoinette. What's the matter, sir? Nothing at all, my boy. I should like to meet your friend. Why, certainly, sir. You will always be beautiful. Think, my child. In a thousand years, you will be as lovely as you are now. Come. No, no. Come. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Don't be afraid, my dear. In a few minutes, the container will have filled with wax. And when it overflows, your beauty will be preserved forever. Stop here! Bodies are mysteriously disappearing all over town, and the new wax museum has just opened. Is there a connection? But of course. In this horror classic, Faye Ray stars as the intendant next victim of the mad wax sculptor, obsessed with her resemblance to one of the, his prior creations. Glenda Farrell plays a quintessential wisecracking newspaper reporter, and noted actor Lionel Atwell is a deranged artist who loses his studio to a fire set by his partner. Filmed in the early two-color Technicolor process, the, myst the mystery of the Wax Museum was considered a lost film for decades, 
until a well-worn print was discovered nearly 50 years ago. Thanks to the meticulous new restoration presented on this disc, the film can now be experienced as intended. There is a new special feature, it is a documentary of Remembering Fay Ray. There is also a uh, commentary by author and film historian Alan K. Rode, as well as a second commentary by Scott McLean, as the head of preservation with UCLA Film and Television Archive. And there is also a featurette on the restoration. Just based on the first couple lines there about a new artist in town, people disappearing, my head, before I even started to film, kind of reached in there and grabbed a bucket of blood uh, with everybody's favorite Dick Miller. And I am pleased to say that while it does kind of share a little bit, it's not the same thing. This is a very well-made uh, little suspense film that I absolutely enjoyed. Also, uh, kind of a double feature with uh, Romance of the Fall High Seas. This was directed by Michael Curtis. Um, so I would absolutely 110% say put this into your 5 for 44. This is a new release that if you are a collector of Miracle Restorations... This needs to be on the, the shelf. I would put this near, not necessarily better than, by any stretch, uh, the Red Shoes. Sort of like a rags to riches restoration. Um, it's a fun movie, so you also get a good movie. But it's really quite incredible that we are able to preserve and restore um, the films that at some point might have been considered lost or so degraded that they were considered unsalvageable. So that is the mystery of the Wax Museum. And lastly, I want to talk about a little movie that I don't think I watched. I, th I know I watched part of it uh, when I was younger. I certainly didn't watch the whole thing, and I didn't fully understand how important this movie was to the people involved in making it as well as the fans. And this is a biopic uh, starring Edward James Olmos and Jennifer Lopez called Selena. is proud to present the extraordinary story of a girl with a talent that would come to touch us all. which had just skyrocketed to the number one spot. I love you, and I'm very proud of you. With every triumph... He is so cute. But, Mom, you can't tell Dad. ...came heartbreak. You don't think I know who you are? I come from the streets. I know what a bum musician is. I'm not gonna stop seeing him, Dad. I'm not gonna have this in my family. He's such a good friend. And with every success, you know, we got a problem, it's Yolanda. Came the risk of betrayal. Selena, I'm 
I'm worried. I never take anything from Selena. Discover the true story of one of America's brightest stars that faded too soon. The nuts and bolts of the irresistibly danceable music called Dejano is pop, rock, polka, R&B, and Latin influences. To millions of fans, there's another vital ingredient, the dynamic singer, Selena. Selena is a vibrant story of a Grammy-winning singer whose life ended at its creative peak. Pulsating with Selena's voice on the soundtrack, the film is bracingly authentic. In the title role of Jennifer Lopez powerfully captures the warmth and electricity of the beloved entertainer. Edward James Olmost, John Seda, and others shine in a poignant, heartwarming movie that deserves a standing ovation. The special features on here is uh, there's a documentary, so Selena, Queen of the Tejano, and a making of Selena 10 years later, as well as some outtakes and the trailer. Growing up a white man in the Midwest, um, I can honestly tell you that I was only aware of her one major hit, and I wouldn't even be able to pick that out of the lineup. Um, it's This is not the kind of movie that a younger Jason would have considered watching. Um, however, and I did enjoy it very much. I, I will say that if you're going in looking for a masterwork of cinematography and a masterpiece of film, you're not necessarily going to find it here, but you are going to find a truly heartwarming film that has, to be fair, some of the most um, interesting editing, uh, creative editing, um, that I can remember seeing in a biopic, which I kind of, I guess it sort of sounds like I'm talking down to the genre of biopic. I guess in a way I am, and I'm not. It's not my favorite type of film by any stretch, um, especially considering that a lot of the biopics that we're getting today are about people that we have tons of footage of. If it's a biopic of somebody that we can't see performing, we can't see creating, sure, let's go and get super creative. Um, I know that uh, Selena's father, Abraham uh, Quintanilla, was instrumental in this film. There were, uh, according to the documentary, about four other feature films about Selena being produced at the time, even though they had zero rights to her story. Uh, so he kind of rushed in and just, and got together with some directors and producers and everybody to create his version, uh, the family's version. The whole family was involved from day one to the end in creating this film. And it is truly remarkable for what it is. I am very glad that I finally had a chance to see this. It's not something that I would have seeked out but it came to me, so I can tell you that you might want to consider picking this one up. It's, it's a much better movie than I would have expected, and I think it could be a really fine addition to your collection, especially if you need 
something for that fourth spot in the 444. Hello, uh, this is uh, future Jason, we'll call myself. I have just finished editing out the uh, main uh, sections of the uh, Warner Roundup, and I wanted to hop back in here real quick before I end it, because I just realized while listening through that I did not mention uh, Jennifer Lopez in Selena, except for just saying her name uh, before I said the title of the movie, but of course after Jane, uh, Edward James Olmos, even though she was 100% the star of the film. She was remarkable. Um, she holds the entire thing together. She is electric um, on screen. And I would hesitate to say, um, and I got to say, I feel bad that uh, having just listened to this whole thing uh, about Selena, that I did not say her name one time after, uh, before the trailer played. So if anything, this, uh, this is pretty early in her major film career. She had a handful of credits before this, but I could only imagine that this film uh, made her the star that she, uh, that's not fair. I think that it's this film that, uh, that's not fair. It is her performance in this film that made her the star that she is today. And I am glad that she uh, was chosen, even though, uh, as it's mentioned in the documentary, uh, the people were up in arms by the fact that a Puerto Rican was tapped to play this Tejano, uh, uh, Texas, uh, Mexican, uh, Latinx uh, musician. This is a very important cultural uh, person. So I wanted to hop back in here. Uh, I've never done this before uh, to say that uh, Jennifer Lopez uh, in his uh, my deepest apologies that I failed to say all of this uh, when I recorded it the first time. Um, if you were to, if you were on the fence about this and you just needed an extra push, uh, Jennifer Lopez was uh, electrical and she deserves all the credit uh, for her performance. Um, so sorry about that. Uh, back to the ending. So that is our Warner Roundup. Um, I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening, and I hope that you found some stuff that might interest you. And I hope that you have a great day, and I hope that this finds you uh, healthy. This is Jason from the Film Ruminations podcast. Thank you. <laughs>